0: Good morning. Good morning. This morning uh, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. So what we decided to do is take the material that we heard last week about the Sixth Commandment, Thou shalt not murder, and have a discussion about the biblical Christian worldview in regard to the sanctity of life as you probably know the world hates us John told us that and they despise our view on life and everything is backwards in this wicked sinful world absolutely absolutely They'll uh, do anything for animals, but unborn babies mean very little. Okay? So it's all backwards. And this comes from rejecting what God has said. So we're going to go back through, and I'm going to put some slides up, summarize what we did last week when I had no voice. And I want a robust discussion. Be very bold if you have something and insight about this important matter. So we got mics. We're ready to discuss the sanctity of life. You shall not murder. Then we go last week, Genesis 1
1: 26, 27. Eric, could you read that? It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them.
0: Amen. Now, last week, we heard when I was a young guy preaching. By young, I mean in my 50s. It's funny how that changes, doesn't it? (laughs) I've drawn out today some important things that the Bible says about life. Now, if you remember the sermon last week, I pointed out that the death penalty may seem ironic, but in reality, the death penalty preserves life. Does anybody remember why or how from what we said last week? We got a roving mic.
1: Um,
0: It
2: stops it by breaking the cycle of uh, retribution
0: or uh, what was the right word? Vengeance. Yeah, vengeance. So it stops it from escalating. Exactly. Remember the stories I told? They came from Kenneth Bailey, the Middle East. Somebody has to die. And we see today that in the Middle East, thousands and thousands of people die. Do you notice in the Middle East that who dies doesn't seem to matter to people as long as somebody dies? They can shoot a rocket into Israel. They don't care, as long as somebody dies. Brian Beers.
3: I agree with that with one caveat, and that is over the past, I would say, decade or so, we see an increase in the use of uh, DNA. And a, a case in point would be Captain McDonald. Who was accused of killing his wife and children, Green Beret, and there was no witnesses. It was all based on circumstantial evidence. Now, his attorneys, 30 years later, are bringing forth new DNA evidence. So I'm all for the death penalty when you have a guy break, goes into a theater and mows down 20 people. Everybody saw him do it death penalty, no doubt. But when you're going strictly on a circumstantial case, I'm not so sure that I'm always for
0: the death penalty. I need clear evidence that he's guilty. Okay, let me respond and Eric, my voice is just so-so, but let me say what I would say. Remember last week's sermon, the video? The Old Testament had safeguards to make sure That didn't happen. There had to be two or three witnesses. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. In Deuteronomy 19, two or three witnesses were required so that every fact would be established. And so that would necessitate there would be eyewitnesses to the fact. Bob mentioned last week in Numbers 35, you have cities of refuge. which You had six of them, I believe. And this, of course, affords protection for manslaughter. But... At the same time, when we institute the death penalty, and by the way, we see in Genesis 9-6, it's instituted, as Bob said last week, government is put in place to stop this vengeance cycle. This is also a new covenant theme in Romans thirteen four. The government does not bear the sword in vain. The implication is they can use it, but implied is that the person is proven guilty. In fact, in the Old Testament, if someone was engaged in false testimony, they were guilty of the very crime that they had charged another with if they were lying. And so it's always predicated on proving the guilt of the person right. through witnesses. Yeah.
0: So a biblical worldview covers that. There has to be witnesses. Yes, Eric.
2: Just kind of follow up on that, too. In other words, I think what Brian's saying, and it's a point well taken, there has to be no doubt that this person committed murder. In other words, we would we would just hate to you know, erroneously execute someone, you know, unjustly who and of course I know that in our legal system we talk about, you know, proving beyond a reasonable doubt and all of that. So but the biblical worldview is that there should be solid proof. It it should be no doubt. Now where we are right now in our culture, if I'm not mistaken, is that a lot of states there's no death penalty regardless. And that's where we've gone probably pretty far astray
0: okay it says in Genesis 9 6 whoever sheds man's blood my man his blood shall be shed for the image of God he made man so the Bible says that the death penalty for murder shows a strong belief in in the sanctity of life now you'll hear people who are pro-abortion using this against us they'll say you pro-lifers are a bunch of hypocrites if you believe in a death penalty have you heard that now what's wrong with this they refuse to make any distinction between the guilty and the innocent. And they refuse to understand that the biblical law is based on the sanctity of life, not opposed to it. Because man bears God's image, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, not in vengeance, but through civil government. Vengeance, remember, if you saw the video last week, vengeance is not allowed. You shall not take vengeance. That's what God said. Every country in the Middle East, except Israel, is based on vengeance. Israel has civil law based on the the Old Testament.
4: I just wanted to... As we're talking about this, because three times it says the word image, and that can be so misconstrued into thinking that we're going to become God or whatever. And maybe I have this wrong, but we just heard it this morning, that when it talks about that we're made in God's image or our image, as that verse says, that when a king conquered a nation, he went in and he set up his image in the foreign nation as the sovereign ruler so it isn't it isn't about my becoming God but who is my ruler who is the person who's above me which would be Jehovah
0: Yahweh. Uh, Eric being a good theologian discuss some ways in which man bears God's image
1: yeah very good point and I thank you Luann you're exactly right the one point that Bob made last week that I think is essential is the image-bearer, you and I as human beings being image-bearers of God is not based on what we accomplish, but as Bob said, it's ontological. That term comes from a Greek verb, ontos, which has to do with being. So our very existence means that we're image-bearers of God. And part and parcel to being image-bearers of God is we share some of the communicable attributes with God. For For example... God is certainly omniscient. He knows all things. And we're not omniscient, but we do have knowledge and the rational ability to commune with God. We also are created as vice regents under him for rule. Notice I don't say co-regents, but vice regents. The problem, of course, is man wants to be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. So one of the important things that I thought Bob laid out for us last week is our worth as human beings comes from our very existence, Contrast that with the pro-death movement, abortion movement, that says you only matter if you can somehow contribute. Okay, well, that's denying the inherent worth of human beings ontologically because we're image bearers of God. So as image bearers, we share in the communicable attributes of God. We have the propensity to love for holiness. We're self-aware. We can rationally understand God. This is something that the animals don't do. The animals can't commune with God, they can't rationally understand, they live on instinct. Um, Bob has pointed out numerous times that that's also a blurring in our society. How many movies do you see where the animals are the geniuses and the humans are the idiots? Okay, almost every movie that I've seen from Disney is that. The, the, The human beings are wrecking the planet and the smart little animals just fix everything. Well, that's because of a pagan worldview. And as Bob had mentioned in many messages ago, the only stopgap against that pagan worldview is the Bible.
0: Right. In the New Testament, yeah. the, I think it's Peter rebukes people for being like instinctive yeah. beasts. Exactly. It's seen as an evil thing. I was just starting to read a book one of you gave me called Nazi Oaks. Yeah. What's it called? Nazi, Nazi Oaks. Dan is the one that gave it to me. What it's about is that Hitler was uh, a nature worshiper. And he wanted to revive 19th century German Romanticism. One of the things that he liked to identify himself as was a wolf. Okay? So, these environmental extremists who worship the creature rather than the creator accuse people who support Israel crazily, crazy idea if you support Israel, you're like Hitler? That's what they said yeah. our new president who supports Israel is called Hitler the previous president who sold Israel out, oh he's a big hero this is insane, dear ones Good is not evil. Evil is not good. Learn how to think. Okay? Learn how to think. And Western civilization is not an evil thing. The reason they hate Israel is because she stands for Western civilization. The reason Hitler hated Israel is because Israel, which didn't exist as a nation, but he hated the Jews because they had a worldview grounded in this so they had to die we better get a Christian worldview grounded in our minds and our families because the entire world hates us and they literally go out on the streets screaming mad for fear that a baby might be preserved alive do you see that? All right, I'm preaching to the choir, but you know what? The choir's a good thing.
4: I had a question back with, the, you know, when you say Genesis 9-6 and that they use that against us. I know that there's some place that talks in the Bible about the killing of the innocents, and I don't know what verse it is, so I hope that
0: that's going to... Well, last there. week in that sermon, by the way, it's on YouTube. CAC YouTube has that sermon on the Sixth Commandment. We saw a verse, and I don't remember which one it was, that says you have to have two or three witnesses. And it, that's to protect the innocent.
4: What, what is more innocent than an unborn life?
0: Oh, of course. That's what we see. I hope that First John is helping you. It's really, really helping me. I've been so engrossed studying First John this last week. I spent the whole week working on, in my sickness, a sermon for February 12th. It's all done, by the way. But in 1 John, John emphasizes the world hates you. And that Christianity means crossing over from death to life. It means being like Abel, and not like Cain. The world does not value human life, whatever they say. And they race, they don't believe this. They believe in evolution. They don't believe this. Because if this is true, humans have special status that the rest of the creation doesn't have. They don't believe in that. They believe we're the problem. And nature's the solution. And if you want to read a book about what Nazism was, I suggest Nazi Oaks. You'll find out what's really going on. Yes, who's next? Hi, Bob. Uh, you, you know,
3: one of the things for evolutionists, they hate this phrase because of the fact that that's Mother Earth and then we're all equal. And so evolutionists and the whole focus of an evolutionist is that we're all created, you know, the same and so that man they just hate this because man is the one that is control of everything. And so all the things that are bad in the world man is the one that uh, right. has done that. And and the and the and the Nazis were environmentalists. Well, a lot of people just are unaware that they were environmentalists in fact. Yes, they, they were. They put them in a high level
0: too. Yes, exactly. And um, they blamed The Jews for everything. Now, this, when I wrote my book about emergent, I debated an emergent. They reject this whole thing. They're Hegelian. Everything's evolving. And what I used for an illustration was the fact that humans can't survive on instinct. And I challenged them, to go on a postmodern mushroom hunt. Remember that one? <laughs> you just go out in the woods, and when you feel close to God, eat it. <laughs> well, the, not one of them ever took me up on that. So we'll have to use our rational mind. Let me ask: <clears throat> Do animals need to take a class? to know what they can eat in the woods? No. Why not? Because God created them the way they are. Okay? Humans, when we attack human rationality, we attack the image of God in man. I'm going to, my next couple sermons, God willing and giving me grace to be able to teach, I'm going to talk about God's love being displayed and defined by the laid-down life of Christ. We know love by this, and he laid down his life for us. I'm going to talk about that. Oh, romantic feelings that you get in nature cannot reveal God's love. They lie to you. I was talking to a person I don't know. She goes to a church She doesn't preach the gospel. But I was telling this lady, I said, uh, I was telling about our trip to Saskatchewan and how flat it was and how you could see forever. And it has its own beauty in its own way. And all those oil uh, derricks that you could see. And she said, oh, that's horrible. Oh, oh. In other words, if man built a city and drilled well, we destroyed God, God's, who you know, nature. Nature is going to take care of us. Man is evil, and she was saying, Oh, I went out into some wilderness in some national park, and I felt so close to God." You know what? A lot of people feel close to God who are heading to hell. Are those oil wells an evil encroachment on nature?
3: No, that's Dominion Um,
0: I just wanted to back up
3: for one second uh, back to your uh, uh, Nazi subject I mentioned to Bob this morning just a few days ago I read in the Clarion call where three Middle Easterners who were uh, in Germany they firebombed a synagogue and the case was thrown out They, they didn't prosecute they were saying that the reason that they did it was because they were for the Palestinian state, Benji's. so it was more or less, it was more or less a protest firebombing, if you will, and, uh, but, but this stuff is alive and well and growing,
0: and we're just seeing the same yeah. thing all over. Exactly. The-, uh, the, the night of the election, they showed video of people lighting these big, blue, burning, I don't know what, black, Ugly smoke going up, or they care about the environment, don't they? There's, and they're smashing windows, throwing rocks. Now, did the person who owned the business, whose stuff was burned and whose windows knocked out, what did that person do to those people? Nothing. See, when you're a pagan, you want vengeance. And it doesn't care on who, because you're acting like an irrational beast. I don't think it's that hard to understand. First John tells us not to be amazed when the world hates us. The world does hate us. But you know what? I'm going to keep preaching the truth. Let them hate. Because nobody else, besides Christian teachers and Christians who witness, are telling anybody, what the
1: truth is. The rest of the world is utterly pagan, and they love it. Yeah, Bob, I wanted just to come back to something you had mentioned. Bob is saying that to be made in the image of God is to be rational. The postmodern generation that we're living in has rejected rationality. And one of the reasons they'll do that within the guise of the emerging church is they will claim that you and I as evangelicals are what they call rationalists. Okay, so they will say they are rejecting rationalism of the Enlightenment and that you and I are bound to that. But realize the distinction between being rational, which is part and parcel to being made in the image of God, and rationalism. Rationalism really stems from a philosopher named Benedict Spinoza. What Benedict Spinoza taught was that all knowledge was really inherent within man. And so a man could really sit in a corner unaided by anything objective by any revelation and come to all truth we are not claiming that as christians what we are claiming is that rationally through revelation whether the revelation be the divine revelation the word of god or general revelation what we can know from creation we learn from revelation so we are not rationalists saying that we don't need revelation from god what we are saying is that we are rational beings who can take both general and special revelation and know truth about God and his created order. That's the distinction between rational and rationalism. So don't let any postmodern say, you're a rationalist, therefore they reject you. You're not. You're rational, but you're not a rationalist like Spinoza.
0: Good point. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the next. We've got at least two, two slides. <laughs> now, let's keep building on this worldview. This is so utterly important. Eric could you read it Deuteronomy 32 8 and 9 I'm using ESV
1: yes when the most high gave to the nations their inheritance when he divided mankind he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God but Yahweh's portion is his people Jacob his allotted heritage right sons of
0: God there's the reason I use ESV is uh, talking about the divine council okay. and you can read Heiser, Michael Heiser on that now God ordained nations with boundaries. Can you see that? Reiterate in the New Testament, Romans 13. What's under attack today? National boundaries. What do the pagans want? No boundaries. This was God's idea that there will be boundaries. It's not an evil thing that nations have boundaries. God ordained this. So as a Christian, with a Christian worldview, we are in favor of national boundaries. And we believe that God has called us to pray for whatever leaders he put over those. This is God's idea. We are the world is a lie. We are not the world. We're one nation. There's only one nation, according to the scripture, and a biblical worldview, with unique status. What is that? Israel, <laughs> let me go back to vengeance. Think about this. Remember on my sermon, I had a slide about Jacob and Esau? And Esau wanted to kill Jacob. He bore a grudge, and he said... I'm going to kill my brother. He never got to do it. He was angry because God blessed Jacob. (laughs) Whose idea was it that Jacob would be blessed? God's. So Esau becomes father of the Edomites. Remember I said and it was an Edomite to try to kill Jesus when he was born? Edom is at war against Israel. Was this... We have people look at it, oh it's not fair yes it is I also said if God blesses somebody else he doesn't take it from you what could Esau have done what must he have done if he wanted blessing well we go back to Abraham Genesis 12 3 I will bless those who bless you what this right of well, how do you say it? Primogeniture? Did I say it right? It's amazing. I said it right. That's what was disputed between Jacob and Esau. And it turned out in God's providence, because this was said before they were born, that it would be the younger. So what did Jacob inherit? The blessing of Abraham. What did that mean? God will bless those who bless you. So... Esau could have been fully blessed. All he had to do was bless Jacob. All he had to say, God, I don't think this is fair, but the blessing went through Jacob. But God said, God will bless those who bless Abraham. Abraham's blessing is in Jacob. Esau had access to the blessing of God. But what happened? He didn't want it. Why? Because he'd rather have vengeance. He'd rather be a pagan. Esau's descendants are still trying to take vengeance on Jacob. Can you imagine world history laid out like this in the Old Testament and it's still going on? Comments? Yes? Um,
2: I hope that this is kind of on point. Um, You know, there's so much biblical ignorance when you think about the nations. We've got apostate churches, I won't name them, who are trying to, you know, bring... I mean, there will be a one-world government under Jesus Christ, and not before. And until that time, you know, the nations have been allotted, and God did that. And yet we have... Nominally, supposedly, I I heard a a friend of mine use the term fake Christians. (laughs) We've got people who are all about, you know, we've got to just destroy all of the borders between nations and all of it. And and there's just, it's just a sad thing there's such a huge lack of biblical knowledge among people who should know. Well, Well,
0: Exactly. The desire to erase all the boundaries is a desire for the coming of Antichrist. Maybe they ought to read Revelation and see how pleasant it's going to be under Antichrist.
1: And that is the great apostasy. Yes. The great apostasy is the erasing of the borders. Well said. Uh, You know, replacement theology, in a sense, replaces Esau. Uh, Theologians say, I won't stand this blessing that was given to Israel. What's interesting is the new covenant tells us that you and I have been grafted into Israel. It's not the other way around. Now, the New Covenant isn't some afterthought, but it's what God has always been about. But the point is, in our if we get our theology right, you and I have been grafted into the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just as Bob had mentioned in Genesis twelve three. So Esau could have been very content knowing Messiah is coming from Jacob, who is going to have 12 sons. We see Jacob, Judah, David, Messiah, and you and I can be content in that as well. So the hatred of all the nations against Israel should turn in true repentance to say, no, I can be grafted into the promises through faith in Jesus Christ as well. That's the new covenant answer to that old dilemma.
0: Amen. See, we're going to get a biblical worldview. Now, a lot of this here we already talked about, even today, those are the passages about manslaughter being different righteous judgment there has to be witnesses blood represents life life is in the blood that's why jesus blood shed means his lay down life it was literally shed but it represents life and his life was utterly innocent without sin sort of atoned for sins i mentioned this in my sermon if you were weren't here yet last week god uses this worldview Of national boundaries to keep the world somewhat stable so the gospel can eventually go to all the nations Anarchy doesn't help the gospel. Pax Romana Rome had peace that's what that means that helped the gospel go all around the Roman Empire now if one of these nations like Hitler wants to subjugate all the others, God uses the others to punish them, to keep this the way it is. So start thinking with a biblical worldview. I watched a whole inauguration thing. I never watched it. I don't know if they used to televise at all. And I'm old. I remember Kennedy and all that. But anyhow, here's what's going on. Good is evil, evil is good. That's what they think. People that hate the good. They can't stand a national boundary. Who has the biblical worldview? The one that wants the boundaries or the ones that want to erase it? The one that wants the boundaries. God established it. Antichrist will come. We don't need to speed it along. I think you know this. Any questions about any of these? Go on. Leviticus. It says, "Thou, you shall not take vengeance. You shall not take vengeance." Starts with you shall hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. Murder starts with hate. Cain and Abel. Jacob and Esau. God wants us to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. We need to love our neighbor. And Christians should be known for that. They're going to call us haters because we believe in a biblical worldview. We might as well be used to it. You're the hater. But God commands us not to be haters. If we were haters, we'd want vengeance. What do Christians do when they lose? They go home and pray for the government isn't that true do christians run out in the street and light everything on fire we better not do christians try to find rockets to shoot into somewhere indiscriminately not caring who who dies we don't want to do that franklin graham read what we're supposed to do pray for the governments who we're in and we've been subjected to a lot of things that we don't believe in but do we quit praying for our government? No. We can't be haters. Yes.
3: And Now Jesus says that um, in your thought life you, you, you're committing murder in your heart. So that's a struggle for me is controlling that when you see
0: what's going
3: on. So can you connect that with uh, Jesus' uh, New
0: Testament saying? I got a verse on that. I hope we get to it. Um there's something that God helped me with because I, every one of us has to deal with this because we get angry and God wants to help us go ahead just uh,
3: another uh, item with regard to removing boundaries the whole push for digital money is another example of that
2: because uh, you, you lose your liberty and all, someone else has all one control it's
0: all right. the same yeah Okay, Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13. Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? To fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments. Listen, and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today, are for your good. Everything God says is for our good. The more we understand what God said, the better off our life will be. We'll find answers. I'm telling you there are answers. I just
4: really appreciate that verse right there where it says, um, you know, not to hate your fellow countrymen in your heart, you may surely reprove your neighbor. We don't have to take everything. We don't have to let them lie and do all these things. We can confront these issues, but don't let sin incur sin yeah. because of him. I just that, we're not doormats. You know, we can defend ourselves.
0: Thanks for bringing that up. Perfect. We can rationally, because we're not animals, we're, we're image bearers of God. We can rationally
1: say what is good and what is evil. Okay? Well, just one thing I wanted to point out is this same prohibition against vengeance is also a new covenant idea in Romans twelve nineteen. So we can be assured that we're not losing anything by being under the law of Christ. The same prohibition is there yes. as well.
0: We have the same worldview under the new covenant. A lot of these things are reiterated, including that God draws out the boundaries pray for the nations, and so on. Acts, Romans, and elsewhere. Yes, we can say what's good and what evil. You may reprove your neighbor. I can say, neighbor, I don't want your dog doing what dogs do on my yard. (laughs) But I can't take vengeance. is <laughs> even
4: hi there <laughs> I just wanted to mention too um I know probably a lot of people did not do what I did when I was younger, but um yesterday, I was watching some of the uh, the riot well the women's march and hearing about it and and it does make you very angry and then but then I had realized that probably forty years ago I would have been out there marching around, using profanity and all this other stuff before I was um, saved and before I repented. So I thank God that I actually now just cannot stand that sort of thing. But um, so that's what helps me try to quell my anger is that, um, you know, I, I such for some of you, and that was me.
0: <laughs> Barb, that's a biblical idea, what you just said. Yes. Because the Bible reminds us, that we were once like that. Does it not? I'm not thinking which verse it is. Eric.
2: I was actually looking last night at a, a, for another purpose, uh, at, a, at a lot of things in the Bible, just about wisdom. And one of the things that I looked at that I think is, is today, and, and this ties in with what Luann was saying about, about reprove your neighbor. Um, and it's just its just in Proverbs. I mean, this is nothing, you guys have read this a lot of times, but it hit me, and it was the lips, this is Proverbs uh, chapter 10, verse 21, it says, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. So we should speak truth, you know, and, 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 and that's a benefit, that's what God wants us to do, speak truth and in. Uh, and and reprove and and do it without hating. And a lot of people will reject it, um, but we have to just be able to do that and and defend that.
0: Amen. I need this as much as anybody. It was even worse when I was younger. I'd always be so angry about everything. And uh, To me, I think this will maybe help you. The better I can understand the categories define them and articulate them, the more peace I have in my heart. For example, when John says, don't be amazed that they hate you. And I looked up the word amazed in the Greek and found it in the Gospels where people were amazed when Jesus did a miracle. And the more I understand it, the more I'm thinking, this is what's going to be. We're promised this. We just need to thank God that he blessed us. And look for chances to explain it. Okay? I'll explain what what God said. And here's something else I've learned through my sicknesses and weaknesses. The word of God, what it actually says, if understood, correctly understood and believed and applied, is utterly powerful. It is life-changing. It will make us different. It will make us like Christ. And when I start to lament that I have so many weaknesses, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to give a sermon without coughing or wheezing or all this stuff going on, here's what I thought. <laughs> and maybe I hope this was the Lord telling me the way out of Temptation. This forces me to study more. The only thing I've got going for me anymore is the text and what it means. And I can get that. I And I can try to make a better PowerPoint, and I can make sure I understand it better because I don't know if I can present it. But it, what it means is precious. I'll never be able to carry a crowd by oratory, but the truth of the Bible is enough that's enough, it's so good, it's so powerful, and if lacking oratory skills drives me more into learning the truth then that's God's strength in my weakness so that's what I want to say Cain and Abel any questions? I think I preached on that twice lately God blessed Abel. Remember I said that doesn't mean took it out of anybody else's account. How many of you believe God has enough blessing for everybody? Is God's blessing a zero sum deal? No. That should help us with envy. If God blessed somebody else, we can rejoice. He does what he wants with me. But if he blesses somebody else, oh, thank you, Lord. God is so great and so good. Here's the one that really I think is important. It's been come to my understanding better lately than it ever has. And that's the thing about the temptation and the way out. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Genesis 4, 6, and 7. Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? You know, it's hard to get by with that, isn't it? Walking through the house, your wife, wife says, What's wrong with you? Nothing. All good. Well, your countenance has fallen. Nothing wrong with me. Sometimes we have to just sit and think Dear Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Dear God, Joy is the fruit of the spirit. Where is it in my life? Help me to have it. Where's your countenance falling? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? I'm going to preach on this in the next couple of weeks. It means take action. It's amazing how that works. There's a way of escape. We need to see it, find it, and take action. And if you do not do well, remember the door demon so it's crouching at the door, his desires for you, you must master it. Who's going to decide our destiny? God and his will that's revealed, or Satan and his temptations. Which way is it going to be? As I said, even with Esau, there was a way to blessing. It was to bless Jacob. If God blesses everybody else with things that I wish I had but I get to be part of the body of Christ I'm blessed to be in with blessed people. Hallelujah. Let's all turn to this one. This is the one that I've always wondered about. 1 Corinthians 10.13 Turn to that. I was meditating on this 1 Corinthians 10.13 and it came to me some applications that I would never thought of in 45 years I don't believe in new revelations by the way but I do believe God will show us a way of escape here it says no temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man And God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also. The way of escape. So you'll be able to endure it. For Cain, it would have been to ask God what he could do that would be pleasing to God. He never did. Here is what has struck me about this. God's providence is unbelievable. God is able to cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God has a way of escape for me. I don't believe in new revelations, but I do believe God can guide me to the way of escape through scripture and providence, those things we have. And the reason we don't find the way of escape, this is what came to me when I was preaching on Cain, is we didn't ask. Big revelation, I mean, it's obvious. We didn't ask. Here are the options, anger, Bitterness, vengeance, the way of escape. Are we willing to ask? Cain wasn't. Well, what's it going to be if I ask? Ask. I'll tell you one thing that will always be. It's going to require faith in God's promises. Let me give you an example from somebody you don't know. Somebody on the internet that I try to help person said I'm full of anxiety utterly full of anxiety every day anxiety 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 she said what am I going to do about it how do I get rid of this I said believe the promises of God well what is that what does that mean so I started sending her scriptures that are promises of God People who believe. One of which is Hebrews 4:16. It says if we go to the throne of grace, what do we get at the throne of grace? Grace, mercy, and there's a cool word, you, Cairo. Kairos is qualitative time. You is this prefix, like you Eusebia. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's good. It's, it's like good. And so, what that word means is timely help. So, maybe your way of escape is to go to the throne of grace. Did you go to the throne of grace and tell God that I'm tempted, I'm getting angry, this isn't good, I'm bearing a grudge, I can see it coming? It's sin crouching at the door, this is bad. Dear God, what is the way of escape? And it says here, with the temptation will provide the way of escape. Sometimes, I don't believe in new revelations, but I had a teacher in Bible college who had a great line once in chapel. He said, sometimes we get a sanctified idea. (laughs) Have you ever had a sanctified idea? I have. Oh, yeah. Why am I sitting here worried about this? What is it I'm worried about? Well, how am I going to do this, or how am I going to do that? Well, what action can I take There would be something I can do in faith, trusting God? Yes.
2: Yeah, when you were talking about the Greek a little earlier, you mentioned Timely help, I think, right? Yes. Timely help. And that's really hard for us because in God's, in God's uh, wisdom, he might let us struggle for a while. We hate that. We hate that. But uh, we, we just have to remember that it's in God's timing. And I think every one of us can think of things, and uh, I won't go on, but I had a situation really... My concern about Islam and the fact that we were not in a, as a nation aware of it thirteen years i 've prayed about that now in the last year i 've run into a former Muslim who became a christian who 's been very helpful and and i 've also understood now that the that the cure and the, what we have to do is we have to preach the gospel, and that Americans need to wake up and preach the gospel yes so those nominal those nominal Christians need to wake up but it took me 13 years to for God to, you know, so it's not new revelation, but, uh, you know, sometimes you'll read something and then a light bulb will go on. And that's really, that's a key point, that timely. Help. Yeah,
0: call it a sanctified idea. You know, uh, one of the commentators said that kairos help that comes just in time. Just in time. Well, that's something I've been thinking about, but... I'll be preaching on that here, if I have a voice at all. Now we had Jacob and Esau. There's an there's vengeance. Remember, and we remember I preached on Edom being the descendants of Esau. Edom has acted against the house of Judah by taking vengeance. Vengeance against Jacob is still going on, thousands of years later. Is there some good reason not to believe the Bible? I can't think of any. How could the Bible know this? Thousands of years later, here's Jacob's descendants and people wanting to shoot rockets or drive trucks in or strap bombs to themselves. They were interviewing a lady who had strapped bombs around herself, gone in to blow up Jews. And the bomb didn't go off. Is that the woman in the hospital? No, she was interviewed. I I saw it on the news. Somebody was interviewing her, and he said, are you sad that the bomb didn't go off? She said, yes. Would you do it again? She said, yes. Because then I'd be in paradise. Do you see how cruel and wicked deception is? A young lady literally believing that indiscriminately killing jews would send her to paradise but what does it say here that this is evil this is wicked genesis twelve three. god blesses those blesses jacob and his descendants even somebody like balaam figured this out numbers 24 1 when balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. He did not go his other times to seek omens, but he set his face toward the wilderness. What did he do? He blessed Israel, didn't he? <laughs> and the guy that hired him, I think, was, was it Bala- Who was Balak, Who hired Balaam? Whoever it was, a pagan king. Hey, I paid you to curse them, and now you blessed them. Still true. Last slide. Here are some of the things that we need to develop as a Christian worldview, which includes the sanctity of human life. One, abortion should be opposed. Two, euthanasia should be opposed. We want to live. Number three, humans bear God's image, animals do not doesn't mean we're not good stewards don't muzzle the ox trees, trees out the grain. Christian farmers treat their animals humanely but we don't believe that they're the same as humans number four God did not give animals rights he gave humans responsibility for stewardship and last here God told humans to multiply on the earth and that they have is not a sin. Are you hearing me? Genesis 9. repeated it even after the flood. Fill the earth. Is God upset that the earth is being filled with humans? No. Is God angry because the prairie of Saskatchewan shows oil wells for the good of humans, wheat fields, canola fields. God told us to till the earth and keep it all the way back to the garden. I pray that Christians all over the world would develop a Christian worldview by being taught the Bible and that we would stand for the sanctity of life dear saints i love you i don't know of any other people who would tolerate my inability to teach a sermon without wheezing and coughing but you haven't said stop because we can't take it anymore I'm using everything I got in my power, imported cough drops, <laughs> water, coffee. And thank you for your prayers. And we need to really pray for our, our leadership. Let's back to Eric. Would you lead us in a prayer that reflects what we've just talked about?
1: Yeah, amen. Thank you, Bob. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we could gather together in freedom to learn your word and to learn a biblical worldview. And we do pray, Heavenly Father, that we as your people would learn these great truths, that we would long to be more like your Son, Christ, who will reign in peace and righteousness, that we would forsake the desire to seek vengeance on our own, that we would realize that a day is coming where their foot will slip and that you will take vengeance on our behalf. I pray, Heavenly Father, that this worldview uh, message could be given to many other Uh, People that others would know your ways and your truth and we do pray only father for our teacher Bob We pray for his healing we thank you for him for the years of him giving us truth We pray that you'd sustain him and keep him Um, I do pray only father that you would give us as a congregation boldness uh, for the gospel and give us an opportunity to present your great truths about how you created us and for your design for us We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen